From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be so. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. When I was in my 20s, I had a t-shirt that I really liked. Come to think of it, I guess I've had lots of t-shirts that I really like. But anyway, this particular shirt was plain blue, and on the front was the simple phrase, it said, books are stronger than guns. And it's a variation on the more well-known saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. I did a little bit of research and found that this popular phrase, the pen is mightier than the sword, is attributed to the 19th century English author, Edward Bulwer-Lytton, from one of his plays. However, variations of this theme have existed from the very beginnings of antiquity. Some 600 years before our Lord's birth have appeared such phrases as, the tongue is mightier than the blade, and the word is mightier than the sword. Even Shakespeare pens a variation on this theme in Hamlet, writing, Many wearing rapiers are afraid of goose quills. Translation, many wearing swords are afraid of pens. It appears that this saying, this principle, has been around for a very, very long time. And in truth, the pen is mightier than the sword in more ways than one. Words are more persuasive than violence, in affecting lasting change within the human heart, but there is a chilling underside to this saying as well. Words also have the power to incite men and women to violence. Words have the power to persuade people to wield the sword, to take up their weapons in the first place. And it is in this sense too that the pen is more powerful than the sword. Our words are a reflection of what we think. Our words affect our actions, our behaviors. Our words also affect the actions of others. This is simply a matter of fact. The only question is what kind of effect will our words have? Will they be for good or ill? Will they be a blessing or a curse. St. James in today's epistle speaks of the immense power and the immensely dangerous power of the human tongue. He writes, the tongue is an unrighteous world among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature and set on fire by hell. The tongue, he says, is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, is the human tongue really this bad? Set on fire by hell? A restless evil? A deadly poison? These are incredibly strong words. Is St. James being just a tad bit overdramatic? I don't think he is. This weekend is the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. On this solemn and sobering occasion, we remember the bravery of the multitudes of people 
who denied themselves in service to others. We remember those who became gravely ill from their efforts. We remember those who continue to grieve the loss of loved ones. And we remember those who died, whether on that terrible day or in the days, weeks, months, and even years afterwards. Swords do not wield themselves, guns do not shoot themselves, and planes do not hijack themselves. These acts are committed by human beings and not in a vacuum. They are committed by people who have been inspired by ideas that are manifested in words that flow forth from the human tongue. If it's true that the horror and destruction of September 11th, 2001 originated from the human tongue, and I believe that it is, then St. James' words don't seem dramatic at all. They seem prophetic. The human tongue is indeed a restless evil, a deadly poison set on fire by hell. Hatred and evil can only be spread, disseminated, and propagated by the human tongue. And just to be very clear, there is no single religious system, philosophy, or political ideology that has cornered the market on hatred and evil. These are their own contagion, and they do not discriminate between religions, philosophies, cultures, or generations. In fact, we have another prime example of St. James' teaching right before our very eyes in today's gospel. St. James writes that from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be so. And yet it is so from none other than St. Peter himself. In Peter's exchange with our Lord in today's gospel, we see out of the same mouth, Peter's, both blessing and cursing. The word blessing in Greek is eulogy, which means literally good word. And the good word that comes forth from Peter's mouth is his confession that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus asks his disciples who other people say that he is, and then he directs the question to them personally. Peter responds for the group saying, you are the Christ. Christos is the Greek for the Hebrew Messiah, both of which mean the anointed one of God. St. Cyril of Alexandria points out that Peter did not say you are a Christ. You are not one of many anointed ones, but you are the Christ. He uses the definite article. To confess Jesus as the Christ, as St. Peter does, is to rule out any other it is to claim him and only him as the anointed one of God who has come to save and redeem the whole world. Peter's confession is in fact a turning point in Mark's gospel. All of the teachings and the miracles lead up to Peter's climactic confession that Jesus is the Christ. Once Jesus' true identity is revealed, he now turns our attention 
to the means by which this Messiah will accomplish his saving work, and that is the cross. And this next bit about the cross is a radical departure from the disciples' expectations and preconceived notions about the Messiah. Jesus tells them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And here is where, out of that same mouth, come not just a blessing, but also a curse. No sooner has Peter made his great confession than he begins to rebuke and reject the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now his words may not be a curse in the sense of some witch casting an evil spell, but the word curse can also mean an offensive word or phrase used to express anger or annoyance, to feel or express great loathing, which he does for the cross, or to invoke evil upon something. St. Peter rebukes and rejects and loathes the saving cross of our Lord. And Jesus wastes no time revealing the true source of this deception and false thinking. He rebukes Peter in turn with the horrifying words, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. How can this be? But let's be brutally honest for just a moment. We really don't need to beat up on St. Peter as an example of this teaching. I'm sure we could find plenty of examples in just about every person that we could think of. Not just our enemies and arch enemies, but even in our friends and family and neighbors. None of which would be of any benefit to us. Because the most important example, in fact, in the end, the only example that is of any value whatsoever to our own spiritual health and well-being, indeed, for our very salvation, is, of course, ourselves, our own tongues. What kinds of words come forth from our mouths? What words of blessing? What words of cursing? What and where and when and with whom do our words morph and change from words of blessing to words of cursing and back again? It's easy to minimize the power and the force of our own words. St. James, in chapter 3, makes it a bit more challenging to minimize the power of our tongues when he writes, So the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. We know in California firsthand just how destructive fire can be. How a little tiny spark or ember can completely destroy entire communities and wipe out literally hundreds of thousands of acres of forest. The tongue is a little member with great power. How will we choose to use this power? Our words are a reflection of what we think. 
our words affect our actions and behaviors, and our words also affect the actions and behaviors of others. This is simply a matter of fact. The only question is, what kind of effect will our words have? Will they be for good or ill, a blessing or a curse? The sparks that fly forth from our mouths or from our keyboards, as the modern case may be, can cause great destruction. But so too can the sparks of blessing that fly from our mouths ignite around us the fires of God's goodness and grace and immeasurable love. May God give us grace not to be duplicitous in our speech, but strive in the words of St. James to be perfect in what we say, bridling our whole body also. May God give us grace to deny ourselves our earthly impulses of hatred and evil, jealousy and deceit, and resolve to use our tongue, our words, our speech, solely for blessing, for good words, that the fires we spark would ignite the love of God in the hearts of others. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.